So a couple weeks ago, I was on vacation uh, with my wife Stacy and our family, and we went to a place in northern Michigan, uh, and one of the things that we like to do is kind of explore the outdoors, and so we went on a canoe trip, Stacy and I, for an afternoon, uh, and you can kind of see a rolling slide of what this looks like, um, but it's this river called the Maple River, absolutely beautiful river, and it, it turn, twists and turns a lot, uh, and there's a lot of trees that stick over, and see, uh, this, the current is fairly swift, and so you have to navigate a little bit to not run into the trees. Uh, and so Stacy and I are canoeing this together, and Stacy's in the front, so she's kind of the power, uh, the power up there, and then I'm in the back, and so it's my job to steer. Well, we go around a turn, and then around another turn, and we get to a place where the, the, um, the tree has fallen across the river. Now there's about, you know, probably five, maybe eight feet on the one side where we can go around it, but I don't turn the canoe fast enough, and the, the tree is about two and a half feet off the water, and the canoe is about two feet off the water, right? So if you're good at math, that's about six inches there, right? So we go towards it, and I can't get around it. Stacy's on the front, and so I can't get around the tree. And so after we go by or through this tree, she, like her butt, I don't think you can't say butt in church, uh, her backside um, is on the seat, right? And her head is all the way back on the bottom of the canoe to not get scraped, scraped, uh, you know, scraped in the face by this thing. And, and then I was able to maneuver, so I didn't hit the tree as we went by this thing. And so, but I kid you not, she was like on her back looking up. And, and the series that we're starting today is called What to Do When. And it's like, what to do when you have knocked your wife out of the seat of her canoe? And I didn't know, like, do I laugh? Do I apologize? Do I walk home? I didn't really know. Um, but I look at Stacy, and she is laughing. I'm like, okay, I'll apologize, and I will also laugh. Um, but it was, it was quite the adventure that we went through. But that is the title of our message series, is What to Do When. And I think that all of us face situations in life where we're not quite sure what to do when something happens. And so that's what this series is about. And we're not, it's not going to be quite so funny as, you know, knocking your wife over in a canoe necessarily. Um, but we have these questions about, you know, what do I do when I'm overwhelmed by life? What do I do when I've got a good friend who's going through something but is making what seems to be some bad decisions? Or, or what do I do, you know, when it comes to confrontation and conflict? Do I, do I say something? Do I keep my mouth shut? And we all face these different situations where, like, I'm not really sure what to do. And so what we're going to do for the course of this series is we're going to look into God's Word, and we're going to say, what does God say about some of these situations that all of us will find ourselves in from time to time? But this morning, the question is this, is what to do when you've drifted from God? What to do when you've drifted from God? And I think the timing of this, I'd like to claim credit for it, but the timing of this is really in God's hands because we're going to talk about what to do when I've drifted from God. And some of you may be in that stage right now, but some of you is like, it's, maybe it's going to be a couple months down the road or, you know, sometime down the road. And one of the great things about this binder that we've given out this morning is for you to keep your notes. And so maybe, you know, come September, come December, you'll feel like, 
man, I just feel like I've drifted from God a little bit. How do I get back on track with God? And you can pull out your notebook, open that up, and you go, oh, here's some of the notes that I wrote about that. Now, when it comes to drifting from God, we all kind of, I think, express it maybe a little bit differently. So you might say, you know, I just feel distant from God. I just don't feel like he's kind of close. I feel like he was close, but, but now he's just, God is kind of distant. Or, or maybe when you talk about feeling like you've drifted from God, maybe you kind of look at other people and say, well, that person seems to be a whole lot closer to God than I am. So maybe I've drifted from where I was. And I think a lot of times when we talk about drift, it's really the way we express it is, I just feel stuck. Like, I don't feel like I'm going anywhere in my relationship with God. I just feel kind of stuck or kind of stagnant, and I'm not really sure how to get out of that. And sometimes when we say, I've drifted from God, we're talking about or comparing ourselves now to ourselves in the past. We say, you know, I used to feel closer to God. I used to get pretty excited about reading God's word and seeing what I could learn. I I used to pray a lot more fervently and a lot more often than I do now. I used to get pretty excited and jazzed up about going to church, but now it just feels like I kind of show up and go through the motions. And so we all express this in slightly different ways. But we're going to talk about how do we deal with drift. Jesus tells a parable. And if you want to open up your Bible, this is in Matthew chapter 13. And this is a parable that he tells, which may be familiar to a lot of you. It's sometimes called the parable of the sower or the parable of the soils. But it says this. This is in Matthew chapter 13, beginning in the first verse. It says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into the boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, and we're going to talk about what he says, but I want you to kind of picture this, because as Jesus is talking, he's talking to a great crowd of people. And in that crowd of people, there were all different sorts of people and where they were coming from spiritually. There were certainly some people that felt very close to God and very close to Jesus. There are probably people that, as Jesus talked about closeness to God, they're like, I never felt close to God. I'm not even sure what that looks like. You know, there are probably some people who are just faking it. Like, I I know everybody thinks that I'm close to God, but I'm not. And there were certainly people there that were thinking, you know, I used to feel closer to God, but I just don't right now. And all of that is true of the different people who are here this morning in person listening online, that, that maybe one of those describes you. And Jesus as he talks, really addresses a lot of these different people and how they feel in their closeness to God. So he continues, he says, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and devoured them. And so the seed is the gospel, and the, and the soil is people. And so this says that some of the people heard the gospel, and they just, it just didn't sink in. This would be the people who have never really felt close to God. They haven't drifted from God because they were never with God. Then he continues, he says, And other seed fell on rocky soil, where they did not have much soil, rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, 
since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. This is the group of people who has an initial excitement about Jesus and the gospel and church. They're like, wow, this is awesome, and we're singing really loud, and we're making changes, and we're making Facebook posts, and we're talking about it on Instagram. We're doing all this stuff, and we're changing our playlist to listen to Hillsong and Mercy Me and all this stuff. And, you know, it's like, wow, this is great, wow, you know. And then something happens. Life gets hard. Circumstances are difficult. It's like, man, all that enthusiasm is just kind of crushed by my life circumstances and wanders away, drifts away from God. And it says, And other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. And this is the person who gets kind of carried away with all the other things that life has to offer. It's the seed that grows up, but there's weeds around. There's other things and so it says that the weeds or the thorns choke out the good, seed, the good plant. And it talks about, as Jesus explains the parable later, talks about it's the worries of this world. It's all the other things, all the distractions of this world that pull that person away from God. And then it says, another seed fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And that's a description of what we want, where the fruit, that's us, that grows up and produces fruit, a fruit of righteousness, fruit of the Spirit, of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, of goodness, of self-control. And when we have that going on in our lives, it's infectious towards other people, and that fruit spreads. And we can look at this through this parable through the lens of drift. Because here's the thing about when it comes to drift and when it comes to God. If we aren't moving forward in our relationship with God, then we're moving backwards. If we aren't getting closer to God, then we're drifting away. There is no staying still. You know, if you think about like if you've ever been out like on an ocean, you know, you're sitting in a raft or maybe even in a big lake, you're sitting out there and you look and you're kind of lined up with your umbrella, your chairs, and you just sit there in the sun. And then you, you look up five minutes later and you drifted a little bit. You know, you, wait, you, know, you kind of look up 30 minutes later and you drifted way down the, you know, down the beach or way out to sea. And you realize if you do nothing, then you drift. And that's how it is when it comes to us and God. If we aren't moving forward, then we're moving backward. If we aren't moving closer to God, then we're drifting away. And so I want to address three questions this morning. Why do we drift from God? How do we get back to God when we have drifted? And then what can prevent us from drifting? So the first question we're going to talk about is why we drift from God. And we talk about why we drift from God. Just to be clear, when we talk about drifting from God, we're talking we're not talking about running from God. Because there are times in life where we run from God. We do our own thing. We just run from God for whatever reason. But this is perhaps a little bit more innocent. In the sense that we're not, I'm not trying to get away from God. I just, I drift from God. And why does that happen? Well, here's the first one. I'm going to give you three or four reasons. But you know, the first one is this, is good things. There are good things in our lives they can cause us to drift from God. That maybe you get real involved, maybe you're in high school or even an adult, you get real involved in a sport and you put a lot of time and a lot of energy into that because you love doing that. 
But what happens is that causes you, that, that time there causes you to drift from God. Or maybe you're in a time in life where you're preparing for something good. Maybe you're taking a test, the LSAT or the MCAT or the GREs or, your, or some professional test that you need to pass as part of your job. And you spend a lot of time and a lot of energy in that. But because you're spending that time, you end up neglecting your relationship with God. Or maybe you're at a season of life where there's just a lot of demand. You've got two or three kids, or you've got two kids in diapers, or you're at a point in your career where it's really a building time in your career, and there's a lot of energy and a lot of effort put there. And those are all good things. But what can happen is those can lead to drift. And I'm not saying give up sports, you know, abandon your kids and stop working. I'm not saying that at all. Definitely don't abandon your kids here. Right? But, but what I'm saying is those things can cause drift if we don't pay attention to what's going on in our lives spiritually. Sometimes spiritual drift happens simply because of laziness or lack of attention. I love this proverb. This is Proverbs chapter 24. It says this. It says, I pass by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. That's a great picture of drift. The vineyard owner, it's not like he said, you know, I just want to let my vineyard, kind of my farm, just go to pot. I just want to let just, just to kind of let it go. It says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. He basically said, I'll get to it tomorrow. Yeah, there's some weeds growing up around the grapevines. There's some other plants growing around the olive trees, but I'll get to it tomorrow. Yeah, there's some rocks that are falling, that are crumbling on the, on the stone fence around my property, but I'll get to it tomorrow. And he ends up having a vineyard that's disheveled. And we do the same spiritually. Well, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I can read my Bible tomorrow. I, I can pray tomorrow. I, I can skip church this week and I'll just go next week or I'll pick it up online or I'll, next week will be fine. Because you know what? Because God will always be there for me. And he will. But you know, God will be there, so I'll just, and, and then I will. And it's a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hand. It's not intentional that the drift happens. It's not running from God, but it's like, ah, God will be there tomorrow, and this is really pressing. There's another proverb um, that I love because it puts two opposite reasons together about why drift happens. This is Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9, and it's kind of a prayer. It says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you, and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. It's this prayer. It says, you know, sometimes, it's basically saying, you know, sometimes our circumstances are bad, and we go, it's God's fault, and we kind of distance ourselves from God. We don't say that out loud, but our circumstances are such that we don't like our circumstances. Like, it's kind of God's fault. I just, I just need a little bit of a break from God. You know, the same way, you know, I just need a little bit of a break from my husband, from my wife, from my kids, 
from my parents. I'm just going to go in the other room for a little while, right? That happens in all of our houses, right? It's like, I just need a little distance from God because I'm not really happy with the hand he's dealt me this week. But then the flip side, he says, or that I might become too rich. Because that can be a cause for drift as well. When life is going really well in our lives, when we have too much, we're like, well, I don't even think about God. I don't even need for God. Because, I mean, all this, my, my family, my kids, my job, my recreation, my health, everything's going great. And we forget about God, and that can cause drift in our lives. Those are some different reasons why we have drift in our lives. You know, there's one more that's mentioned in that parable back in 13, and, and it's not even drift. It's this idea that you may feel distant from God this morning, and if that's you, you may feel distant from God because you've never begun a relationship with Christ. And I encourage you, if you're here this morning, you're like, I don't feel close to God, but I'm never, I'm not sure I've ever really placed my faith in Christ. I'm never, I'm not sure that I've actually accepted Him as my Savior if I've begun a relationship with Christ. And I'll encourage you, if you've never begun a relationship with Christ, accepted Him as your Savior, to do that this morning, to take that step this morning and say, I place my faith in you as my Savior. That's the first step in being close to God. And if you, if you make that decision, I encourage you, let me know. I'd love to help you with that. Uh, in the little binder that you got this morning, there's actually a page that says, how do I become a Christian? How do I start that relationship? So here's the second question, is how to return to God? How do I return to God? In the Old Testament, there was a king whose name was David. And David was a guy uh, who at times was really close to God, and other times was really far from God. And sometimes King David ran from God, and sometimes King David just kind of drifted from God for the same reasons that we just spoke about. He, the book of Psalms is made up, a lot of them are made up of basically prayers that David wrote. And I want to read to you Psalm 32 because it's a psalm of David expressing his heart of returning to God. Now, we're not sure if it's a time when he ran from God or if it's a time where he just drifted from God, but it really works regardless of which way it is. This is Psalm 32, beginning in verse 3. David writes, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For night and day your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Our drifting from God is sin. Now, when we usually talk about sin, we talk about a sin of commission. A sin of commission, but this is drifting as a sin of omission. Let me kind of explain the difference. But a sin of commission is when I do something, and that is sinful. I, you know, I yell at somebody. I, you know, flip somebody off. I, you know, whatever. I, I gossip about somebody. I, you know, you can name your own sin of commission. We kind of understand that when we do something. But there are also sins that we commit, which we would call sins of omission. It's because we don't do something, whatever that is. And there's a lot of things that fall into a sin of omission. But this, the drifting, more often than not, is a sin of omission. And so as we're talking about that, the first thing we do um, is that we break the silence. We break the silence. It says, 
uh, it says here, the, my strength was dried up by the heat of summer. Okay, so we, we, we break the sentence. We say, God, this is why, this is what happened. And then that's what he says next in verse uh, 25. Excuse me, uh, verse 5. He says, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgive the iniquity of my sin. So it's a sin of omission. And so what we do in that is that we confess the cause. We confess the cause. We say, this is why I have sinned. We take the time to identify that. You know, and a few minutes ago, I gave you a bunch of um, kind of examples or, or reasons why we drift. And so as part of this, when we confess the cause, we say, God, this is why I have drifted from you. And we just put that before him. Because again, when we talk about drift, we're either moving forwards or we're moving backwards. We're either getting closer to God or we're drifting away. And so when we do nothing, we end up drifting away. You know, and the, the cause for drift, it's going to be different for each one of us. And, you know, and my, me as a pastor, like, I am not exempt from this. Like, there are times in my life, there are seasons where I drift from God for a variety of reasons. You know, back in the spring, I did feel a bit disconnected or a bit drifted from God from where maybe I normally am. And so I had to kind of look at that and say, why do I feel different? I was doing what we're saying here of identifying the cause. And for me, I realized it was because I wasn't taking risks. That part of me having a close relationship with God is I needed to kind of take risks with people and different things, and I wasn't doing that. One of the things that really helped to bring me back from that drift at that time was a book called um, The Ten Second Rule, and I read it with some guys in my men's group, and we read that, and that was really helpful for me to re-energize my relationship with God. But the cause was I wasn't taking risks. And again, you have to look and say, I'm drifted from God. What's the cause? What's the reason? And then David continues in verse 6. He says, Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I love that phrase. He says, at a time when you may be found. That's the beautiful thing about drift and return, is that God can always be found. And so the third part of the return is pursue the relationship. Pursue the relationship. Jesus is speaking to the church, uh, a church in uh, the book of Revelation. I believe it's the church of Ephesus. It might be Laodicea, but he says this. Uh, this is Revelation chapter 2. It says, for you have forsaken your first love. So you have drifted from God. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Do the things you did at first. What were the things that drew you to God? And if you think about that in your own life, what are the things that initially drew you into your relationship with God. 
at those times when you felt super close to God? What were the things that you did that drew you into relationship with Him? And the chances are that it had a lot to do with Jesus and understanding Him, that He offers you eternal life, that He offers you abundant life, that He offers you freedom, that He invites you to be in a relationship with Him, and He loves you and cares for you unconditionally. And those thoughts are always at the front of your mind. And when those things are at the front of your mind, then you're drawn into that relationship, that close relationship with God. Now, whether you feel like you're close to God now, or whether maybe you feel like you've drifted and you need to take some of these steps to move back closer to God, all of us have this same question in our minds, this third question, of how to prevent drift. How do we prevent drift in our lives? Here's what the writer of Hebrews says. This is Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. It says, pay attention, otherwise we're going to drift from what we've heard. Because as we've said, we're either moving forward with intentionality or we're moving backwards. We're either moving closer to God, or if we do nothing, then we're, there's a natural drift away from God. So he says, remember what we have heard. Now, if you were to go back and read Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1 is a focus on Jesus Christ. It's basically, Jesus Christ is the best ever, higher than everything else in this world. And so when we talk about remember or pay attention to what we've heard, it's remembering who Christ is. Remembering that the God of the universe loves you and desires a relationship with you and wants to be in relationship with you. And when that truth is in our hearts and when that truth is in our brains, then we will be drawn closer to him. There's an illustration that Jesus shares. It's in John chapter 15. I'm not going to read the passage, but it's an illustration that he uses about a, a vine, so a grapevine, and then the branches. And he basically says, in order for the branches, which are attached to the grapevine, in order for the, the branches to bear fruit, to bear grapes, they have to be attached to the vine. He says, otherwise they won't grow. And basically, he makes this illustration for us because as the branch is connected to the vine, so we also need to be constantly connected to Jesus. As the branch is connected to the vine, we need to be connected to Jesus. And so here's the question that I want to leave you with. Is what is it that connects you to Jesus? And whatever it is that connects you to Jesus, make time for that. So for me, it's reading God's Word. And for a lot of people I know, that is their main connection. Like, I've got to read God's Word, make time for that. But for me, it's, it's reading God's Word and then writing about it and then journaling about it. That connects me to God. When I stop doing that for whatever reason, I get disconnected from God. But what are the things the habits, the disciplines, the things that you need to do in your life to connect you to God. And whatever those are, make time for them. Maybe you need time alone every day. 
Maybe you need time with people. Maybe you need to spend a couple hours in the woods every week. Maybe you need to listen to worship music regularly. Maybe you need to, I don't know what it is for you. But I tell you, figure out what it is for you. Figure out what connects you to God. Figure out how the branch, you the branch, needs to be connected to the vine. And whatever that is, make space in your life for that. No matter how busy life gets, no matter what other things you have going that are good, bad, or indifferent, make time for those things that connect you to Jesus to keep you from drifting from him.